Hi, and welcome to another edition of Take 15 with the CFA Institute. Today is July 22nd, 2011, and today we're joined by Charlie Brobinskoy of Ariel Investments uh, here in Chicago. Charlie is Vice Chairman and Director of Research for Ariel Investments, and he manages uh, and co-manages Ariel uh, Focus Fund and uh, oversees all of the uh, trading and uh, research operations. Uh, Charlie, uh, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Ron. Happy to be here. Uh, obviously, Ariel is well known as a value investor, and uh, I was curious, what gives uh, Ariel its edge in the marketplace? We think the Warren Buffett value investment style is what we do very, very well, and it's a proven style of investing. And the concept is buying stocks at a discount to their intrinsic value, and then buy, where that opportunity comes from is buying a great company that has some kind of short-term negative headlines. The market is very focused on the short term, whether their company's going to make the next quarter, whether there's some kind of uh, Senate investigation or accounting problem. That can drive a stock below its intrinsic value. And what we at Ariel do is look for companies that have great long-term fundamentals but some kind of short-term problem. So the big piece of your investment process revolves uh, around finding good ideas. And, and what does drive that whole process is the idea that the market is very short-term focused. The market tends to value stocks and companies based on the outlook for the next quarter or the next six months. And what we do as Buffett-style value investors is find a great company that has long-term value but has some kinds of short-term headwinds that's driven down the stock price. Stock prices tend to be much more volatile than the long-term value of the company. And so we buy a stock when there's a negative news that's driven the stock price down well below its intrinsic value. And how do you guys distinguish between negative news that is ephemeral and won't last for a long time versus something that is more uh, permanent or more problematic for the company on a long-term basis? That's a great question. That is the trick. Uh, and what you try to do is to decide whether a company still has the sustainable competitive advantage that allowed it to earn superior returns. What does that business have? that keeps competitors out and allows it to earn a higher return on capital than its cost of capital. That's where real economic value comes from. You can borrow money at five and earn eight, 10, 15 on that money. So we, the process is to see what is it about that business that kept competitors away and has the new bad news permanently impaired that ability to earn higher returns. And the perfect company is a company that has some short-term scandal, some bad quarter, some um, accounting irregularity that does drive the stock price down, but doesn't change that fundamental sustainable competitive advantage. Okay, great. Well, that helps us define the buying process. Uh, one of the great challenges you, you have as a, a fund manager is the selling process. After you make an intelligent purchase, things work out well, how long do you own it? Do you, do you trade it after the stock is appreciated? Do you wait and let the fundamentals and those economic rents accrue? What we find is you need a process and you need discipline to make this work. 
So on the buy side, we will only buy it if it's trading at a 40% discount to our calculation of its intrinsic value. Mm -hmm. We will hold it and then wait until it's risen to its intrinsic value. So that time period of some, the bad news goes away, the stock trades back up to its intrinsic value, that can take five years, seven years. Uh, or it sometimes can take a relatively short period of time, as short as nine months or 12 months. But we have a very disciplined calculation of now it's reached its intrinsic value, we've done our job, it's time to move on to the next opportunity. Okay, great. And when you uh, map out the future cash flows of a business, what sort of time horizon do you guys typically look at? We try to do a model that's five years long and then make some assumptions about those cash flows into perpetuity. Obviously, the accuracy of those projections in the fifth year is not as good as it is in the first or second year. But you are looking at trends, and that is part of the science and the art, is being good at seeing the direction of trends. What direction are the revenues going? What directions are the returns going? Are there more competition or less competition in the right. future? Okay, so I'm dying to know. Uh, the great collapse of 2008. What lessons did you learn uh, throughout that process, and how did that affect um, not your performance so much as your perspective on markets, about liquidity, about what is intrinsic value, what is sustainable, and those sorts yeah. of things? Uh, we are very proud now. Actually, every single one of our products is now in the top quartile or even top decile over the last three years. So if you start the clock from July of 2008 through today, every single one of our products has outperformed pretty nicely. Um, and some of the lessons we learned through that process is, one, the importance of leverage, debt in particular. Debt can kill a great company. Uh, and the reason is that companies often go bankrupt not because they don't have intrinsic value, but because they become illiquid. They, have, uh, they don't have enough cash flow to service their debt, or they have to issue equity at the absolute wrong time, or they have to enter into a new bond deal at the absolute wrong time, and that can really destroy value. So we're paying even more attention to the capital structure of our companies, making sure they have the kind of balance sheets that can weather a storm. Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers went bankrupt because they were illiquid, not because they didn't have underlying economic value. Right, right. That's a lesson I think a lot of us learned. Um, so as you uh, look forward, um, obviously with the, the collapse of 2008, uh, we are not out of the woods yet. As you know, the U.S. debt um, you know, in Washington, we've got an impasse between Republicans and Democrats. Um, a lot of the debt has been shifted from the private sector to the public sector. Um, and many people think that this crisis is far from over. Uh, what's your partic particular take on that? And how do you think um, the U.S. Uh, markets and economy will fare um, as you look forward in the next five years or so? You know, we would say we're cautiously optimistic. Um, coming back to what I talked about mm -hmm. before with the market being excessively focused on the short term and negative headlines, the market is extremely focused on the debt problems in Washington. You can't drive to work in the morning without being bombarded with those, that news. So we think that news is well understood, and it's why the market is relatively cheap. The S&P is right now trading at f less than 13 times earnings. Uh, in an environment of 2 and 3 and 4% government bond rates, that's a very attractive S&P multiple, way below the average multiple. So we think the market is taking into account the problems in Washington. In fact, if anything, 
overemphasizing the problems in Washington. And how do you guys uh, feel about inflation versus deflation going forward? There's a big debate over that. As yeah, well. I think longer term we would come into the inflationary pressure camp. Um, it's just a, a fact that throughout history when governments have had more debt than they can service, one of the ways you get out of it is by printing money. Uh, and so in the short term, less demand can, in particular, um, high unemployment can lower uh, input costs and labor costs, and that can be deflationary. Obviously, pressure on uh, real estate can be deflationary. So short term, probably not a lot of inflation, but longer term, I would say much more risk of inflation than deflation. Okay. And recently, you guys launched the uh, Discovery Fund at Ariel. Uh, what was the motivation behind that, and um, what is the uh, process and style, and how does that differentiate from what you guys currently do? So the, the process I talked about, the Buffett-style, higher-quality companies, uh, that's the traditional aerial style. The Discovery Fund is more of a deep-value, uh, ben, ben Graham kind of investment style. So it's small companies that are trading at a discount to their liquidation value, to their balance sheet. Often some of these stocks are trading at less than cash. It's a deep-value approach which um, has, of course, had a wonderful history of very good returns over the years. Warren Buffett evolved out of that into this emphasis of more higher quality, but this is a fund that goes back to the roots of value investing. Great. Uh, well, Charlie, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, please remember that you can find uh, all of our uh, content and videos uh, online at cfainstitute.org. Uh, uh, thank you for joining us. Copyright 2011, CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.